Hello, hello, hello. Welcome along to Benchcast. I'm your host, Neville O'Donoghue. Today I'll be talking to recently retired professional rugby player Ian Nagan. He'll be talking to me about life as a rugby player, studies in Cambridge, and his new startup, Swing Fitness. Give it a listen. Enjoy. Ian, how are you? Good news. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no bother. The, the first question i got to ask you anyway is because everyone and anyone has been make sure to ask him this. When are they going to bypass Butterfield? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I have the same question. I was read somewhere there that Butterfield was one of uh, the worst towns uh, in Ireland, which is desperate press, like, you know. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a nightmare but, though, like, yeah. you know, because like, I just think in like, when you used to, um, when you used to be playing what you used to see, and we'd be going through Cork to Limerick, like we're not half embarrassed having to drive through Butterfield. <laughs> yeah. No, geez, yeah, no, I've no defence there, but it's all, uh, it's all, it's in good shape now. You should come through. What, it's looking very well these days. Well, uh, what part of Butterfield are you actually from, Ian? Are you outside the town or are you oh, in? Oh, right, right, right in the main street. Yeah, yeah. right in the main street. So um, up near the primary school there. Um, right. So, yeah. All right. Um, well, look, we'll we'll start from uh, we'll go back. We'll just start from the start and have a look at your journey. But like, I know that you went to Glenstall. Like, what what made what made your parents send you to Glenstall? Was it for the rugby or what? Like, you know? No, I, I'm not sure really. To be honest, uh, my mum was totally against this. Uh, my mum's German, um, so I think uh, whatever way boarding schools are viewed in Germany, I think she was totally against the idea of it and. Um, my dad, uh, uh, you know, I think he um, really liked the idea of of of, of uh, sending me there, and I'm really thankful that he did. You know, I, I think kind of look back on it, um, I think uh, it's a really great school in in a lot of ways. You know, I I hope it hasn't changed too much since I left, but um, I think boarding schools in general actually make you quite independent. I think you know, you're you're literally, you know, living away from home from the age of 12, 13. And I think that definitely for me kind of, you know, playing abroad or, you know, uh, being away from home was a lot less daunting because, you know, that part of me, uh, you know, had already kind of broken that through boarding school um, by living away. So uh, that's something I really kind of um, value at this stage. And uh, the school itself, it's it's very laid back, you know, it's uh, really good in that you can, you can be whoever you want to be, you know, if, if, if kind of music is your thing or sports is your thing, or there's really good um, kind of computer lab there where guys who are into tech can go down there and, uh, you know, learn that. So it's, it's not it's good school. If I can afford it, I'll uh, I send yeah. my own kid. Do you, do you, um, do you keep in touch with the school? And like, like, I know, like we could have been schoolmates in another life. I, I actually went for an interview there and I ended up in Ross Gray. I didn't make the cut. But uh, the other thing oh. I'll ask you is that, do you keep in touch with the school and do you get home every three or four weeks or is it a five, is it a five day or seven day? It was, so we'd school on Saturdays. So Saturday was a half day. So in theory, you could have gone home for the day on Sundays, but it didn't really happen. Um, or sorry, it was uh, I did it the odd time, but in general, you kind of would have done a three or four weeks stint and then you might have gotten a long weekend or something like that. So, um, but no, you really are there for, you're there, I suppose, 200 days of the year, really. Um, and uh, but everyone's in the same boat. The years were quite small, my year was only about 35, I think, or 33, even. And um, 
I mean, it's like living living with a family after a while. You get to know those guys, and those guys would still be, you know, mostly my my closest friends, you know, because you you're literally in a in a dorm with, with them for for six years. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, no, it's good school. Yeah, Probably. and and did you did you keep in contact like the time when you were playing monster and stuff? Ian, like, did you go in and give talks, or were they on to to do anything for him? No, I, I got back once or twice only, um, which I feel guilty about. I suppose because I was based in Cork, um, I wasn't as close to 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 the school as I, I would have liked. You know, schools obviously in in Maroon and Limerick, and uh, I think if I'd been in UL, then I probably would have tried to have gotten involved in coaching or helped out some way. But um, I didn't get back as much as I'd like to. I'd been in touch with with a few of the staff there. Um, obviously the guys in my year and the years close to me, but. Um, it's something I'm conscious of, right? They probably haven't given back as much as as I would like to. Yeah, all right. Well, well, you got t- plenty of time to catch up now. But um, the other thing, then I suppose you went on to UCC, then, and you played. I think UCC for two or three years, and then you went on. You played a year or two with Cork on. Like yeah. I suppose, do you think the club game still has a place uh, in professional rugby? And do you think um, did you enjoy your years with UCC? Yeah, I got so lucky. Um, you know, the, the years I played club rugby, uh, when I was in UCC, we were still, UCC were still in the second division. And uh, I don't think the club had ever been in the first division. So, you know, but, but had been pushing to get promoted for, for a number of years. And um, then my, the first year we just missed out. We actually finished top of the league, but then we lost the final of the playoffs to Young Munster, I think it was. And, um, or no, it was Banlin Hinch. And, um, so then, uh, yeah, that was that was uh, it was great because I think we even though we didn't get promoted, I think we we only lost one game that year or something mad like that. And then, yeah. um, and then the next year we got promoted, and that was such a big buzz for for everyone who'd kind of been trying to to get the club up to the top division for uh, for so many years. And, uh, and it was a really great group of lads. Like you know, it's kind of uh, any college rugby is is a brilliant transition from schools rugby into definitely into kind of professional level um well there was there was great there was great players on that team like he and like you look at it archer was on the team Stephen archer wasn't john ryan was on well he was in a year younger than you there was um needless q i know he didn't go on to be pro but he played ireland aid or did he play Ireland? Oh, yeah. so, but, like, there was very good players on that team oh guys yeah we'd uh with DC, Sean Scanlon, um, and then loads of guys who like really showed or could have been professional, like you know Sam Cronin, like you know like uh, like top top class guys, like you know. And then it was the same with Con. Like I think Con played one league game, and I think every almost every single person in the team was capped by Munster, you know. Um, and like then you guys like Frank Hogan, who, um, like maybe maybe he was unlucky at, at Munster given the you did international background at the time, but. In so many other clubs in the Pro 14, he would have comfortably been, you know, a really good player for them. So, yeah, I got really lucky, uh, really lucky with the kind of uh, years that I had in club rugby. And I'd hate to think that it's something that's going to dwindle out over the years um, because for my development, it was it was brilliant. You know, I got to play so many games of rugby in those four years. I must have played oh, close to 100 games of rugby, you know, and, um, and at, a, at a level that was, you know, Physically, nothing like I've been used to, and that really like some some AIL games I found to be much higher level than A games. Let's say, um, and uh, I think that's that's key to a lot of guys' development. Uh, I would imagine that's still the case. 
Yeah, and then you went on, you, like, I suppose you got into the Munster squad and um, I suppose one of the big highlights, I remember, <laughs> it was a great night out, actually. I think you got us a few tickets for uh, me and a few of the lads against the Wallabies up in uh, Tormund Park the night you beat them. Like, that must definitely be a highlight of your career, so. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> Part of me uh, is conscious that it's a highlight at the start of my career and uh, uh, I wish I had maybe more highlights to the same level in the years that follow, but um, that was, that was uh, kind of unbelievable night, you know, because uh, that was only my second cap for Munster. It was my, my third cap, my second start. And um, I, uh, you know, I had no idea uh, how it was going to really play out. You know, I think I was 100 kilos at the time, you know, and I was playing against the, yeah. uh, uh, the Wallabies. And it was just one of those kind of Tone Park nights that, you know, when I used to go back, when I used to go to games as a kid, um, lashing rain, lashing rain, yeah. lashing rain, and you know, you just you didn't even notice it. You know, it was just, uh, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Definitely, kind of one of the best, if not the best, memories I have in rugby. Yeah, and then I suppose, like, because I remember after that game, like you had a great game that night. Like, what kind of happened in Ian? Like, not that, like, like, did you have a lot of injuries or what? Like, you know, because I also think what's interesting, you play with Leinster as well. Because look at Leinster, I think Leinster are way better bringing through younger players than we are at Munster, like, you know, like, um, I suppose you, you kind of went on, but did you kind of stall a bit? Because I know you went on loaned into Newcastle Falcons and over to England and a few places, didn't you? Yeah, it kind of, um, so, so I had a great year in 2010, 2011. And then um, in the first preseason game the following year, I, um, against London Irish, I injured my AC and just being over eager, I guess, at the time, I tried to hide that injury um, and did that for kind of the best part of a year. Um, and Axel at one point brought me in and, and showed me a clip where a guy's running at my right shoulder and I jump across the tackling with my left and he, he just said, look, what are you up to? Um, so I eventually got, uh, met a surgeon and uh, had to get it fixed. And that, that put me out for about eight months, um, which really kind of ruled out the second season um and then on the third season um i injured my ankle in a pre-season game and that took me out to christmas and then i said all right look i'll go to newcastle um and just try play as many games as i can over the next six months and my first training session there the guy fell on the other ankle which put me out until the end of the season right. so that was just three years in a row where um i just couldn't get any momentum uh you know nobody's fault or anything like that it was just just bad luck and at that stage then I kind of I guess I just got frustrated that I um I had just been rehabbing or you know um, training uh without playing for three years and I kind of looked into doing some different things and um got to a crossroads where I really looked either going down the military route or I looked at doing the MBA um and uh Eventually, uh, went down to do the MBA, but but yeah, then it was two years really without rugby again. So over five years, you know, I, I must have played you know less than five or ten games of professional rugby, and and um, that definitely uh, that definitely didn't help in terms of uh, development. But to be honest, the two years that I was away from the game were two of the best years of my life. So I, I've yeah. no regrets. Well, you, you need a bit of rubber to green too, like you know, like I you kind of remind me of. Uh, my other buddy, uh, Dave O'Callaghan, you're kind of the same frame. You're both tall and a bit lean. And um, he, unfortunately, had bad luck with injuries too, like, you know. But uh, 
but actually he's playing at the D2 final tomorrow. It might be worth to watch, but um, I'm wishing best of luck. But also, um, Ian, then, yeah, that's the other thing, like, you went on to Cambridge then, like, you know, like, um, like that. T- tell us about that, like, and you said, that's interesting, you said you were thinking of going down the military route, like, that's where, where I never heard that one, like, you know, so tell us about that. Yeah, well, it, was, it was something I was always interested in, um, and uh, obviously, played rugby so it wasn't really an option but um i i looked into this to be honest i never got too seriously down that route i kind of met with uh, a colonel in the barracks in cork and i went over to the uk and and uh i kind of met a few guys who were kind of paratroopers and and um it was a support base unit there and just kind of asked them about their experience but funnily enough like i hope not getting in trouble here but i uh was meeting the meeting uh, the colonel and there was a cadet in the room with him and um I was kind of uh, speaking to the colonel and kind of asking about what the, the process would be and uh, this and that. And then the colonel left to get a cup of tea or something. Like that. The cadet was there and he kind of turned to me and he said, uh, he said, do you know what? He's like, uh, don't do it. He's like, if I'm, I'm doing a degree now. And he's like, if I could, <laughs> if as soon as I can get a job, I'm out of here. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right. And then, uh, then um, I, you know, I, I had a girlfriend and, uh, and I was just about turning 25, 24, 25. So I was getting older, you know, in terms of starting that, I was, I was kind of getting older and, um, yeah, it just, it, all things considered, it just didn't really make sense, you know? Um, so I, I kind of parked that to one side and, and looked uh, more into the, into the NBA and that just seemed like a good fit really. Um, do, do you think, uh, do you think rugby should have that maybe, um, that maybe someone like yourself, if you want to take a year or two out of rugby, they should have a thing like that in rugby that the door's still open for you, you know? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think definitely for six months or something like that. I think that, that could do people the world of good. Um, a year or two years is, is maybe too long, but um, I think someone someone getting six months out is is good just to, at the halfway point of their career. Yeah. Um, you know, mentally and physically, just to take a break away from it. And I think what's good too, if you do something like that, is it lets you put rugby in perspective. Um, so that was the best thing for me when uh, I took the year out is that the bubble of rugby very quickly became small. Um, you know, the, the year that I was studying, you know, I'd speak to, to someone from Thailand and, and they wouldn't know what rugby is, you know, and when you're in the kind of rugby bubble, rugby just seems like everything, you know, or has to yeah. some, to some extent, but I think that would maybe do guys, uh, the world of good is that at the midpoint of their career, they can take six months out and travel and do whatever. And then I think they'll come back with a much, healthier mind frame is towards rugby um no not everyone can do that obviously you know uh, uh you know because it's just so competitive but um if there was a way of facilitating that i think the rewards would, would come with it and you um you did commerce and ucc and the nba what what did what's that in then uh ian what 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 did you do that in so that's just uh it's, it's kind of like commerce again on steroids basically it's it's like a it's a it's a master's in, in business administration so um the way it's kind of explained is that imagine if you're the ceo you can walk down the corridor and you can pop your head into the accountant's accountant's office and have a conversation with him and understand what he's doing and then marketing and hr and so on it kind of gives you an overview um of all the different areas if you want to get into, into management um but uh, yeah, I was brilliant. I was really lucky. Got a great. What what was so good about it? Like, because the thought of studying just gives me the shivers. Like, you know. But I know you played with 
Jamie Roberts, didn't you, for a year or two? Did you play in that Oxford versus Cambridge game as well? And yeah, um, I suppose was it just the, the, the break from rugby? Is that what you like? So, the, the, I know I wouldn't be academic at all, genuinely. Uh, um, but uh, the way the class works or the NBA works is that they try to get as many people from different backgrounds as they can. So they want people to share as many experiences as they can. So in my class, you know, we special forces soldiers, we rocket scientists, we had a Chinese news anchor. I was obviously coming from rugby, you know, so you could be in these projects with people from completely different backgrounds. And then you do case studies and you're given a scenario and then you might discuss that case, but people would come from different perspectives, uh, which is really interesting. You know, you have a guy coming from a military background and he would have one, you know, approach to handling a certain situation. And then you have someone else who, you know, comes from a HR background and they'd have a completely different perspective. And that was really interesting. Um, the MBA as well, it's it's somewhat unique in that the hardest part is getting in. Once you're in, you'll get out, you know, um, whereas some of the other classes, particularly in, in uh, Cambridge or Oxford, they're so competitive that it's actually really unenjoyable. Whereas the MBA is the opposite to that. They want people helping each other and sharing kind of their experiences so that you can learn through that and as well that you can create a network. Um, so you, you, you want to like at the end of the year, have this black book of people, you know, you can link up with in the future. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a, no, it was brilliant. I loved it. And Jamie Roberts, what was it like playing with him and to play? And what was it like playing at that Oxford versus Cambridge? Like give us a, was it like a colors match in UCC times 100 or what was it like? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like senior cup times 100. Like, yeah. um, it's just all about one game. Um, and there's so much history. Like I think Cambridge rugby club has more lions and internationals than any other club in the world. Um, right. And like, they're all so invested in it still, you know, you have all these alligators who come back um, and the build up kind of in the, in the week or two before his, there's all these traditions like you're actually not allowed to say what a lot of the traditions are but like yeah. they're all like typical Cambridge traditions as well it's like you know port and cheese like you know, and you're, yeah. you're, you know you're meeting up and everyone's wearing like you know dressed in the nines and like uh, guys come in and give you talks about like the history and you know there's there's kind of like these now ritual sounds wrong but like there's these traditions I suppose that like you're actually genuinely not allowed to say what they are, but like they're kind of once in a lifetime kind of experiences. And right. that in itself is just brilliant because uh, I don't know, it's everything that's good about rugby, really. Yeah. And Jamie Roberts, Juan, do you have anything? Jamie to- Roberts, yeah, top man, really bought into us. Um, obviously, incredibly intelligent. Like, um, but you know, he, I think, uh, had just come on the back of a World Cup, I suppose. Yeah, it was 2015 World Cup. So I'd say he was happy enough just to kind of, you know, take it easy to some extent, you know, it was obviously such an easy standard for him. Um, and then uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really academic guy as well. So I think he loved the fact that he could kind of fully focus on his academics as well. Um, but yeah, really good guy. Yeah, we stayed in touch now. And, and um, I think he's, you know, he stays in touch with all the, all the guys who are on our Blues team. So, um, great guy. And what brought you back to rugby then? Because then you signed for Leinster, didn't you? When you um, finished up with Cambridge. Yeah, so I must regret in that uh, when I finished, I met with Gareth Fitzgerald and um, he was brilliant. You know, he was like, he, he was purely meeting me first and foremost just to see, look, am I okay mentally? You know, because that decision, I think, at first probably seemed like it was, uh, I don't know, a, a red flag for, for something else maybe. And um, 
he was brilliant because he sat down and he said look are you okay is everything all right and when i told him that no it's, it's just totally a, a kind of um life decision um he said no great and he, he said look the door is always open you know i knew that kind of came with an asterisk but he said um you know the door is always open so it was something i had in the back of my mind you know that i would potentially come back to playing rugby but no guarantees and then when I played the varsity match, I, I suppose I just kind of fell in love with rugby for the same reasons I did previously. And um, London Irish were short at a second row crisis um, and they didn't have uh, any uh, second rows or they were short second rows. So um, I got a call from them asking me if I could kind of plug a, plug a hole for them. And it was a crazy scenario because... I couldn't train or do anything from Monday to Thursday. On Fridays, there was a career day. So on Monday to Thursday, I would do my own training. Um, but on a Friday, I would show up to the team run and then play on the Saturday. Right. I did that for, I think it was four games. Um, but it was a crazy scenario because like, I, I joined the, the the team huddle, you know, and guys wouldn't even know who I was. <laughs> I thought I was a water boy or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but that then kind of opened the door. Leinster, I think, uh, had kept an eye on me in the varsity match. And then they saw the the, uh, the games that I played for London Irish. And then luckily an offer came in then through Leinster. Yeah, and I suppose um, I suppose that you say, Gareth, for sure, I like, better just mention, and you said Axel, like, were they a big part in your career? Because it's very sad now the both of them were kind of gone, like, you know, and how big they were with Munster Rugby. Yeah, they were huge parts of Munster Rugby. I had Axel from my... Under twenties, he was my Munster uh, under twenties coach, and um, you know, obviously, he was involved throughout my my whole time at Munster. And I actually trained with Axel when he was still a player. Um, you know, so um, yeah, I suppose uh, there's nothing new that I could say about um, you know, what a big part he had in in Munster's history. Um, yeah, it's just sad. It's just pretty sad. You know, he like as as a coach, he was um, brilliant for my development. I had had him as as an A coach and. Um, really intelligent kind of technical coach, you know, which you kind of take for granted sometimes, unless you know, until you kind of go somewhere else and you see how basic some of the coaching actually is. And, um, so yeah, huge, yeah, just really sad, I suppose. And and Garrett, similarly, I, I when I was doing commerce in third year, I had to do a, a work placement for six months, um, and I did that with Munster Rugby, working in the marketing department. So for about six months, I was in there every day. Uh, and so I would have seen Gareth on a on a daily basis, and um, yeah, he's just a great fella. Just you know, um, yeah, obviously, yeah. done so much for Munster Rugby from where he took it to where it is now, and again, just really sad. Yeah, and then you you went alone to Ulster. Then was it like um, I'd say you must be one of the only fellas in Ireland that say that's played for three provinces, like? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Month ago, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was, uh, I, to be honest, Ulster was, I'd say, one of the best rugby times I had during my career, um, which was unexpected. I, it, the way it all panned out, I so I'd asked, I wasn't the kind of, it wasn't looking good at Leinster. I hadn't been told that I was being let go, but I kind of the writing was on the wall, and um, I met with Leo and asked him. You know, I think Leo brought me into his office and um, you know said this I wouldn't be involved in the Champions. Cup squad and um I said to him, you know, look, I you know, I kinda know the way these things play out. Like uh if I'm not in the Champions Cup squad, it's it's not looking good in terms yeah. of games for the rest of the season. So would it be all right if I went on loan? 
and uh, he said he was really really good about it and said yeah look if, if something comes up um you know we'll support it and very uh, quickly exeter um put in an offer um and uh, i was <laughs> literally had my bags packed and um that got blocked uh, by the rfu um who said i needed to go to ulster um so I was, I was annoyed at the time. I was, I was very pissed off, to be honest with you, because um, my uh, fiance was over in um, in in uh, London, um, and we'd been trying to make long distance work. So extra obviously would have been ideal. And um, anyway, the, the way things panned out, I, I ended up in in Ulster anyway. And um, but I loved it. It was it was really good. You know, I got to play most weeks, and um, it's really close knit squad. I don't know if that was something to do with what had happened in previous years, but. They were really close knit, good group of lads. Um, and Dan, Dan, Dan is top class coach. And um, yeah, if I if I could have, um, I, I I would have liked to have stayed on there. But they'd already signed Sam Carter, so it just didn't play out that way. Yeah. Um, All right. And I, I suppose before the final few questions, then Ian, was it always rugby for you? Like, were you did you play GA and stuff when you were younger, or like you even strike me there as you'd be a good swimmer or something like you know, or was it just always rugby? Yeah. And uh, no, I was always always rugby. Well, before I went to, to Denstall, um I would have played everything. Um yeah. but uh, once I went to Denstall then it was it was really just rugby it was it was the kind of main sport in the summer that you could play soccer or athletics or that kind of thing, but didn't really have a choice to be honest. It was it was yeah. mostly rugby. So um yeah, yeah, just uh sort of worked out. And then um the like I suppose a lot of my guests, I asked them, like, you know, that there's been ups and downs in sport, but, like, rugby's been good to you as a whole, like, hasn't it? hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, um, I think hopefully it'll be of real benefit, you know, for the rest of my life. I think you get so many experiences and learn so much, not just through rugby, but I think playing sport at a high level. Um, you know, I'm kind of involved in a, in a startup now and, um, you know, you, uh, you know, I think there's so much resilience you get from playing rugby that uh, being involved in, in something like a startup, you kind of, you know, it's it's a real good strength to your bow to have. Yeah. Um, and obviously all for, for business. Um, there's a guy who did my, um, a professor, a guy called Mark Rand, and he supervised uh, my dissertation. Um, and he did a, a, a study on the top 100 CEOs in the UK and their backgrounds and... Um, of the top 121 had a notable academic achievement or a notable academic background, whereas right. 41, nearly twice the amount, had a notable sporting background. So right. I think there's so much benefit you get from playing sports and probably team sports more so that um, I hope will kind of put me in good stead for what comes next. And how was your Italian? Did you learn any bit when you were over there with Zebra? Ah, desperate, desperate, desperate. Still better than Michael Bradley's, but but yeah. desperate. Right. You're like you're like Gareth Bale, then you never adapt to culture. But um, the other thing I'd ask you is uh, and the final question in rugby terms is that was it your last game against Munster? Was it your last professional game? Like, how did that feel? No, it's a shame. So um, so I'm finished now. Um, but the, uh, all the foreign guys at Zebra whose contracts were up at the end of May, uh, there was about five or six of us were in the same boat. They released us at the end of May, even though there's two more games in June, because a new president came in from the Federation and um, he said, look, you know, for the last two games, uh, it's not worth keeping all these guys on for an extra month. So, um, yeah, it's a shame. I'd love to have finished uh, against Monster, but 
such as life. <laughs> yeah, and tennis then, I suppose, Ian, finally, is this new, so you stepped away from rugby. What are you, you're 32, were you? Am I right in saying? 32, now, yeah. Yeah, what, uh, why, what's, tell us about the startup then you were telling us about. What's the next chapter you're going to go for? Yeah, so it's part of why I finished. Um, the guy I played in the varsity match with, um, he had an idea for a startup. And um, he knew that I was considering finishing rugby, so he got on to me and asked me if uh, I could uh, if I could head up that um, because he's involved in a different startup, and they just uh, raised a big seed round. So um, it's a it's a kind of on demand micro gym that you can unlock with a smartphone, and we put those in public parks. So it's the best way to think about it is um, the electric scooters and Peloton. It's it's somewhere in between those two. So. Um, that's what I'm doing now full time until uh, Christmas at least, and, and that's where we'll be looking to raise more money again. So, um, and what's yeah. the name? Of, what's the name of the company? Did you say uh, Swing Swing Fitness. And so, um, do you have a social media and all that already? We do. So the, the actual um, micro gyms will be going into parks in July, end of July. That'll be in London, uh, and Milton Keys. Uh, that'll be. Go if you could share that, right? But um, uh, yeah, no, hopefully that all works out. Well, um, just to explain it to the caveman here, like you know, uh, what uh, so is that like you know, you'd see those fitness machines in a park, so basically, you're after developing an app, is it that you'd go on and you'd use it while you're on those machines? No, so if you can imagine any regular gym bench with an adjustable backrest, yeah, if you can imagine that with the gym bench, you can store a set of dumbbells, kettlebells, and a medicine ball. So we'd have two of each, 15 kilos, right down to one kilo, then four kettlebells, eight, 12, 16, 20, and a five kilo medicine ball. And all of that is actually stored within this gym bench. And then each unit has a, a unique QR code and you can unlock that. That unlocks and it triggers payment. So it's one pound to unlock the box. And then it's 5p for every minute after that. So for a 20 minute workout, it costs you two pounds for 40 minutes, three pounds an hour, uh, four pounds, etc. And then through the app, then you have a variety of content. So it's really for people who are that's, that's, a, that's a great idea. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's not my idea, so I can't take any credit for it. But um, hopefully we can uh, get it off the ground and see, you know, it's it's particularly for COVID, you know, post-COVID. I think COVID can shine a light on, uh, you know, the health inequality that exists for people who can afford this kind of stuff and who can't. So if we can kind of put these in parks and make it really accessible for people, then um, hopefully it's a win-win. And do you get any any pullback from like, because I'd say it wouldn't be the, the most popular with gyms now over setting up this, no? Gyms, no. It, it, getting permission to put them in councils is is kind of one of the hurdles. Um, but so far, councils have been really receptive. Um, so we've got permission to put more of them than we actually need at this stage. Yeah. Um, at the next round, we're looking to build 3,000 of these micro gyms. So, We'll need permission from about 600 parks. Um, and uh, but I think we'll get there. We're kind of a good a good chunk of the way there already. And at the next round, then hopefully we can bring a number of these to Ireland as well, right. which would be great. So, um, plan. Well, I'll, I'll definitely watch that with interest. And finally, Ian, before we wrap up, I do this with all my guests. Uh, 60 second questions where I throw questions at you and you have to think in your feet. All right. So, okay. first one, uh, favorite food? Chinese. Favourite golf course? Uh, Mallow. How often do you do your dirty laundry? 
Ah, uh, every three days. Westlife for Boyzone? Westlife. Do your best celebrity impression. Oh, jeez. No, do you? No, you won't. No, lad. No, you would accept that. Right. Uh, win the World Cup or win the Masters? Oh, oh I win the World Cup, I suppose. Uh, favourite holiday? Uh, Hawaii. Uh, who would play you in a movie? Uh, what's his name? The Steve Merchant. Leg Day or Chester? Uh, Leg Day. Favourite film? Uh, good fellas. Uh, best book you've ever read? Oh, um, Roy. What is something you've never tried and want to? Starting business. Right, and finally, um, go to karaoke song. Um, uh, Fresh Prince Bel Air. Um, yeah. The, uh, the yeah. yeah, that's good. Ian, Ian, thanks a million for that. Thanks, a million. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to Ian Eagle. What a story uh, that guy has. Um, all the clubs he's been with and studying in Cambridge, you know, what a journey he's just been on. And, you know, I, I really look forward to his next venture with Swing Fitness that genuinely looks like a very good idea. And never mind the rugby, I just thought it was a great story of being in England, being with the three provinces and playing a bit in Italy. And now we wish him all the best in the next chapter. But until next time, remember you can get this uh, podcast on Spotify and wherever else, wherever else you get your podcasts. And make sure to check us out on social media. And um, until next week, where I'll be interviewing someone else from the world of sport, I'm Neville, I'm Neville Dunhu, and I'm out of here. Thanks for listening.